Welcome to the Girl Gang Conversations, a podcast that's all about connection, sisterhood, and having conversations that matter. I'm your host, Sarah Stars, and every week I speak to inspiring women about the nitty-gritty of how they live with passion and purpose. We dive deep into our journeys, the obstacles we've overcome, our dreams, what's working for us, and what isn't. We're totally honest about what we're learning, what our daily rituals look like, and what we're struggling with. We don't shy away from the hard stuff, and we really go into it all. Spirituality, personal development, magic, routines, career, friendship, relationships, sexuality, and so much more. The most powerful two words in the English language are, me too, and it's my hope that these conversations help us all feel less alone. This isn't about preachy self-help or self-improvement. It's about self-acceptance and talking about the things that matter to us. Hello, and welcome to the Girl Gang Conversations, episode 85. You can access all of the show notes for this episode at Sarah Stars. That's S-T-A-R-R-S, sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 85. Today's interview is with my friend Kate Fowley. Kate is a Toronto-based writer who is interested in wellness and the writing process, and we also did our undergraduates together in Toronto. So back in February, when I was pre-recording these episodes, Kate and I talked about balancing a day job and creative projects without working all the time, diving deep into journaling as a tool for healing, why Kate decided to quit freelancing and go back to having a day job, and using archetypes to understand your present mindset and situation. Hey, Kate, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm really good, too. Thank you. Um... And so just before we start talking about you and your journey, I just wanted to ask you about a typical day in your life and what are the routines or rituals that anchor your day? Yeah. So I'm doing the nine to five thing right now. So I have a full-time job that I have to like go into the office and do the whole commuter thing in Toronto. Um, So starting my morning off like as centered as I can is really important to me. Um, before I enter the fray of the city and and the job and everything like that. So I try to bring mindfulness into my morning in like the simplest ways that I can right now. So like I try to avoid like packing meditation or yoga or like extra little activities into my morning and just like be as mindful as I can like in my attitude in the morning. So that might look like just like doing a couple simple slow stretches when I wake up in the morning and like drinking a glass of water with lemon and just like being really mindful about it and, and noticing like the time that I have and, and being present for it as opposed to like, you know, rushing to like get through a meditation or like Mm -hmm. rushing to get through like a YouTube tutorial, like where I do like doing yoga, like a madman in my like tiny apartment. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. And like, I definitely have done that before. And then I just like leave my apartment feeling super harried and it's like off to a even worse start. And I'm like, wait, that didn't work. Like what? <laughs> so yeah, just, just trying to do like the simplest mindful things in my morning is like the goal right now. Um, yeah. But aside from that, I'm, I'm a pretty big ritual fan. Like I need to break up my day Um, by like going for walks or like getting coffee um, or like 
even calling a friend in the afternoon and just being like, hey, just thinking of you, like, what's up? And like giving myself little like breaks in the day to like break it up. And then like after I'm done the day, like give myself something nice, like to look forward to. Um, and that could be as simple as like a podcast that I'm really looking forward to read to um, listening to like on my commute home or something like that. Um, just things that I can do to like support myself in switching state, like switching mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's such a journey to like realize what works for you um, when, when it comes to that, because there's only, there's only one way to know and it's to know what doesn't work and then, um, you know, just figure, figure out a way. So I think for me, it's just like keeping it as simple as possible. Um, Yeah. And I mean, I journal all the time too. That's another really big thing for me in terms of like rituals that anchor my day. Um, Journaling is a huge, huge ritual for me um, that just gets me feeling so much more anchored in myself and in the present moment. And whenever I journal, I become so much more clear on like what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. And I, I always feel better and I always feel um, like a state change after I do. So that's, that's huge for me. Yeah. I really want to talk more about your journaling practice in a minute. Um, And I loved what you're saying. Well, first, if I mean about the morning routine and keeping it really simple, I think I used to treat my morning routine like a to-do list almost like it's like, here are all these things that the internet told me I needed to do in the morning. And like, how do I jam Mm -hmm. them all in? And then like you say, that just can like make things way more frazzled. Um, And I've really been exploring, like you're saying, like the kind of transition points at the different parts at the different points in the day. And often I've realized that for me, like from going from like morning like early morning to work and then work to evening, like having some sort of movement, like physical movement is really good for me. Yeah. Um, but I really, yeah. it's, it's taken a long time to make that connection because I really resist physical movement in a lot of ways. Um, and so even though it should like, even though the days when I'm doing those transitions, there's such a big shift in my energy. It took me until like last week to be like, Oh yeah. Like, no, I need to do that every day. And it feels really different if I do. Um, but like you said, it's, it's such a it's such a journey to even cultivating that self-awareness and making those connections. Yeah, totally. Like you can only like read things online and like just take what works for you and like figure it out. But it's like you can't like you have to figure it out for yourself. And it's so different um, for everyone. Like what's what's really going to work for you? Like it's so it's such a personal um, thing and it really takes exploration. But it yeah, it takes a lot more self-awareness than I think a lot of us realize like like yeah like we're told to meditate like we know this like we know that yoga feels good we know that that's gonna like that's a good thing to do um quote unquote (laughs) like a lot of people say but I mean like if it doesn't if it's not your bag then you know then don't judge that like just find something find something else like maybe it's like CrossFit that like makes you feel like a badass and like that's like what you find most centering or calming like yeah there's just we yeah there's just you can't judge it you just have to have to find it and, and do what works for you. And so you've been writing for a long time. Like you, like you said, you're an avid journaler, but also sharing writing on your blog and writing for quite a few mm-hmm. different publications. And now you you mentioned you've got a nine to five job. So what does that balance look like between your creative work and your day job? Yeah, it can look like work all the time if I'm not careful, for sure. Like I think the, the plight of someone who's 
has a creative job and their hobby, their job is also their hobby is just like that they end up doing, um, doing work all the time. And then they're like, this is not helpful. This is not like great for my mind. And then your creative work suffers. Yeah. Um, so if I'm not careful, like if I'm really not careful, that happens to me. Um, so I am, it's, it's really important to me that I unplug, um, and connect with like the world around me as much as I can. And that's like in my attitude, but also like going into nature as much as I can is really important. Um, and I think it's, it's difficult for me to find like a solace from like the internet and like that mindset of work, um, during the week. Like it's just, it's, it's tough for me to find that. And I'm, I'm still working on that right now, like incorporating more, like breaks into my, into my day, um, and into my week, my work week. Um, but getting it on the weekend and making like unplugging on the weekend and like making sure that I like take time for myself and like do things that like engage my like creativity and like my, my inner child and like moving my body and like not being cerebral in any way. Like it's, it's, it's more like I don't know, maybe, maybe my, it's like pretty extreme right now. Like five days a week are pretty, pretty work heavy. And then like the two days on the weekend are like unplugged and chill. And that's when my inner child like comes, it, it like comes out to play, I guess. Like that's like really how, that's, I guess, like the routine that I've gotten into. Um, and it just, it seems to work. I think you know, I think it uh, it gives me enough energy to ride through the the rest of the week mm-hmm. when I have like two solid days to chill. And so, is that like a pretty specific boundary that like the weekdays are for your day job and for your creative work? So they could be like very work heavy, and then is it completely boundaryed around the weekend that you don't work at all? Yeah, I would say that's probably true. That's and, probably how it works out. And did you used to freelance? Like, is this a transition into a day job? If you like, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, I did. Um, before I started doing this nine to five job, um, I was full time freelance. So I was just like working from home all the time. And um, then this opportunity came up with this this job that I have right now. I'm, I'm doing social media marketing for a charity um, in Toronto. And I really liked the idea of working with an organization that was doing good work in the world that I believed in and that was like aligned with my values. So I took the opportunity um, to leave the freelancing that I was doing. Um, and I kept a few just like blogging gigs that don't require like a whole heck of a lot of like time, I guess. And I find them the more hobby sort of things. Mm -hmm. So I, I can do that. And I do that sometimes even on the weekend when I'm like playing and having fun because I do find it really enjoyable to do. Um, but yeah, so that opportunity came up, came up and I was just like, this is, this feels right. I'm into it. Um, so I went for it and I just haven't, I haven't, I uh, can't say that I've looked back. So it's, yeah. it's been good. Yeah. Cause it took me, it's taken me a few stabs at freelancing. Like I've gone back to day jobs a couple of times and it's taken me till this time, I think to figure out kind of what I needed from freelancing to make it work for me. Cause it kept being this, I kept being pulled to it, but then was not getting like, not getting all of my values met by the freelancing in terms of like my desire for stability. And I also interviewed a woman called Ashley, Ashley quite a while ago who had a quite a successful um, online business and ended up packing it all into 
get a job and teach yoga on the side. So I'm curious, like, were there any things about freelancing that you were happy to be moving away from or that kind of influenced your desire to go back to a more secure job environment? Yeah, that's really interesting that you say that your values weren't being met by those. And it's like, it's just funny how like it's, I thought that like working full-time freelance was like the dream, but then I was like, wait, this doesn't feel like the dream. This isn't, this isn't what I wanted to feel like. Yeah. Um, so I was definitely not sad to leave feeling lonely all the time and like feeling like I was just like trying to thrive all alone and like work by myself. Like I, I'm the kind of person who really thrives off um bouncing ideas off of other people and and doing that and like even though I'm an introvert and like it terrifies me to work with other people if I don't like force myself into situations where I'm like have to test my ideas then I never get you know like I never get that feeling of thriving and and that's just that's another like personal thing that I that I really need from the workplace Mm. so yeah, that's so interesting. And I, yeah, because there, that was, I guess, a part of it for me too. Like I actually work better when I'm mostly alone, I think. But I yeah. like ha- now having clients who I'm communicating with on a daily basis and because I'm only working with long-term clients, like having that kind of income stability, I've kind of created the best of both worlds, it feels like for myself. But it really, like you said earlier, like it takes, like you don't really know. It felt like it should be the dream. But before when I was freelancing, I just felt stressed all of the time. Like... <laughs> Um, oh god but it's such like an online yeah. like the <laughs> online dream now right that I that I feel like yeah. I feel against this a little bit like that it should work for everyone to be a freelancer in every season of their life like that's the ultimate goal and it just seems unrealistic yeah, yeah like of course that doesn't make sense for sure like of, of course it wouldn't make sense for everyone to have for that to be the dream in every every time of your life like everything you're doing like it just you know we have different needs all the time I think especially if you're a creative person. You have different needs all the time. Yeah. And so what does it look like to make space for your writing? Um, I guess in the evenings during the week then. Yeah, definitely writing like pen to paper style. Mm. Um, and that's like a huge part of my evening, like un- unwind, wind down ritual, um, like engaging with print material and, writing in my journal and not even like having my phone around and like just feeling like the space in the words that are like being integrated into my mind and like allowing that space like when you're reading on the internet it's so it's not like that you know like it's like when I read a book or like when you read and write in a journal and then like read what you wrote it's like magic you know like it just feels so much different like it it feels so much different and um yeah so making space for those kinds of thoughts and that kind of work that comes up when I write pen to paper is really is key for me and I do that like every I try to do that like every night yeah, it's so interesting how it feels like words just flow differently in ink than they do with a keyboard. Yeah, like it's so much more intimate. It just feels a lot more um, personal and intimate. And um, yeah, I've yeah, it, it um, 
I think our true thoughts kind of flow more naturally when we write pen to paper. And you're such an advocate for journaling and share, have shared such interesting journaling prompts um, online in blog posts and articles. So I'm curious, like what, what has your journey with journaling looked like throughout your life? I've always journaled since I was like a young, young child. Um, and like when I was a kid, I like set up this little home office in my yeah. bedroom, in my like bedroom closet. And I've heard that other, other writers have done this too. Like, and I, I think other, a lot of other creative people have done this too. Like when they were young children, they had this like dream of like being like a career woman and like having, like they made this little space for themselves. Um, it like in whatever carnation they, the, their childhood self did. And that's, that's really interesting, but I did that. And, um, I would write in like little notebooks and I, I just got so much joy out of it. And I don't even know like what I wrote when I was doing that, but I never stopped doing it. Like I never stopped needing to have like this little book with me or like, you know, like I, I, I've never stopped needing to have my own like book that I was working on at the time, even if it was just like a book of like random things that I was writing, it just feels to me like that is more mine than anything ever could be. So I've, that's a feeling that I've had that I've, that I've needed ever since I was a child. And I've just never stopped, um, needing and giving myself, um, because it's, it's probably like the healthiest coping mechanism you can have. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Journaling, even, you know, like, even when you're having a stressful day at work, like taking a time out to like hide somewhere and write a, a journal page like that is something that I do and it makes me feel better. It's, it's, it's truly helpful. And so is your journal always with you? Yeah, for sure. Like I always, I, I, I like romanticize the idea of having like a big, like illuminated manuscript style journal that I like keep on a writing desk, but <sighs> I can't do that. Like I need to have a journal with me that I can bring around. It's almost like a, like a, like a, a support system on the go kind of thing. Like even just to make you feel like if you need to have a moment, like have a me time support anywhere you are, like you got it. Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause I can like hear so much of me, myself, like in you saying this and it, there just seems to be like a type of person. And obviously we're really drawn to writing mm-hmm. careers as well, but like this type of person who needs to narrativize their life and has had this compulsion, like yeah. essentially forever. And I'm so curious, like where that comes from. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 I think if we feel like if we don't feel like we know where we are in the story of our lives, then we, when, then, then I feel a little bit more lost, you know, like, like Kate Winslet said in the holiday, like you have to be the leading lady of your own life. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Like you need to, you need to know where you are and like, you know, like this, this is the part where this is the part where like that kind of thinking is really helpful for me. It helps me get over like, I don't know, it can just help you get out of the weeds kind of a little bit and just get a little bit more clarity. Like no one ever feels, you don't feel awesome all the time, but when you can tell yourself the story of like what's kind of happening when you don't feel great, then that, then you find more purpose in, in what's going on in your, in what you're doing. Yeah. Tell me more about that phrase. This is the part where like, is that, is that something you explore 
intentionally like is it about finding the lessons in where you are right now but tell me more about that yeah that's interesting actually when I said that um I was thinking about a podcast that I listened to um with Liz Gilbert and I remember that she said that like she had this idea that she always wanted to be a writer so she's like definitely the kind of person that I was just meant that we were just talking about like with the you know big dreams to be a writer all the time I think um and she was always so focused on this goal. And like in this podcast, she was talking about how she was just so clear on like how it was going to pan out and like how she wanted it to pan out and like what her end goal was. And she was just like knew that there was going to be so much failure along the way, like there had to be. And when she would get like rejection letters and stuff like that all the time, like all that shitty feeling that goes along with it of failure it's like so important to not let that derail you but just to remember that like this is the part where I struggle and this is the part where I eat shit for like weeks and months and years but it's like you have to remember that it's all part of it's all part of the journey yeah I think yeah that's kind of where that came from but I think when I really think about it like I don't want a journey like a career journey or a life that's without really hard times. Like who would I be if I didn't have that? Like what kind of, like what would I ever have to say of value if, if my life was just like great all the time? Like that's not what I even want if it was a possibility. Right. Yeah. And that can be so difficult to remember when you're in the midst of hard times and then afterwards looking back, like seeing how much it's contributed to who you are and what you understand now. Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. Like this is all spoken like someone who's like having a pretty good day right now. Like, you know, <laughs> like I don't have, like I say this coming from a pretty, um, like I'm, I'm, I'm happy in this moment. So I, I definitely, definitely agree that it's like, it can be the hardest thing ever, but it's, it's always worth it. It's always worth it to find purpose in the struggle. And so you mentioned like, you know, journaling being a big part of how you unwind in the evenings and how you do this process of self-exploration. I know you post a lot of journaling prompts online, like in terms of your day-to-day journaling practice, are you using prompts or are you doing more of a stream of consciousness kind of thing? Like, what does that practice look like for you? Yeah, very much stream of consciousness. Um, I love prompts um, and I'll follow a few bloggers online who post really good prompts Um, and I, I do like checking those out. Um, but for the most part, I, I do get the most, I find the most treasure, I think, when I just write stream of consciousness that Mm -hmm. works best for me. Yeah. And for people who maybe are listening to this and like have struggled to kind of get to the treasure when they're journaling, like they maybe struggle to really dive into it, whether there's something holding them back from really going deep or whatever that could look like. Do you have any advice or thoughts or experiences that like might help them just, I guess, give the practice a really a try to really get into journaling? Yeah. It, it takes time sometimes. Like sometimes it takes a lot of time. You got to get a lot of crap out first, like write a lot of pages first of like things that are just on your mind before you get there but when you get there you always know for sure so it does take time um 
but something that I do that I, that helps me when I'm super frustrated and when I go to my journal and I'm just like, I need to know what's up. I need to get clarity right now. I need to feel better. Um, and I'll be writing and I'll be struggling and I'll be like, I just want to arrive at this. Like, I just want to know how I feel about this. And I just want to like feel better already. Um, I'll just like start talking out loud as Mm -hmm. if I'm like, you know, like just get the words out faster. Like I'll start talking and then I'll like ask myself like questions like whose voice is this? Like, who am I talking to? Um, like what's what's happening here? And I, I think, yeah, talking out loud is also just like a faster way to get it out kind of thing. Um, and then you can arrive at at clarity a little bit faster sometimes. But I think for the most part, the act of the physical act of writing. The magic is really in the in the process, um, for sure. And it just takes time sometimes for sure. But I've definitely been one to like just really like have a full on conversation with myself in my like bachelor apartment in, in Parkdale for sure. There's, there's no shame. There's no. no shame. in that. Yeah. I mean, it's like journaling out loud. Yeah. Journaling out loud. That's what we can, that's like the system that we can call it. That I'll feel better about that. I'm not just like <laughs> doing like random weird things. Um, <laughs> Sharing. <laughs> I feel like everyone who like, well, maybe not everyone talks, but maybe everyone who has this kind of creative bent and desire to work things out and express themselves. Like, I think we all talk to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I definitely would agree with that. Or I'm just rationalizing my own behavior. We don't know. Um, So in your email before we set up this interview, you had mentioned that you, uh, like so many of us have done, like struggled with really intense anxiety when you were a teenager and that journaling really became a way for you to work through that. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about like whether that that's still something that you manage, like if journaling still helps you manage anxiety and, and what that kind of feels like. Yeah, it does. Um, journaling has really helped me arrive at a place where I can feel like I have more control of my thoughts and this whole process of narrativizing my life, <laughs> as we were just talking about. That's really helped me um, in the process, in in the, the journey of my anxiety. Um, because anxiety made me feel like I didn't have any control over my thoughts or my feelings. And when I went to get help with that and like talk to my doctor and talk to professionals that worked in the healthcare system, I just ended up feeling more like I couldn't trust myself and like I needed other people Mm. to help me get control of this. And I, I didn't find that to be hugely empowering. Um, but what I always did find empowering was just coming back to my journal and telling myself the story of what was happening to me and gaining control over that story, like in the real world around me and seeing how much I could affect and seeing how much responsibility I had to take control over it and and not being afraid of that word, but feeling like I get to 
own this and it can be whatever I want. Like I get to be this person leading this life and I get to make it whatever I want. And it's up to me. It's not up to anyone else to do that. And that's something to be grateful for, I think. And that's kind of the place that my journey with anxiety sort of led me. I love I don't that. Know if yeah. makes, I don't know if that made any sense at all, but it was. No, absolutely. I mean, obviously there's times when people are in crisis where you really do need that outside support and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think or, there's so much of the self-help industry that points us outside of ourselves. Like it's telling us that yeah. there's another person or like another practice. And obviously journaling's a practice, but like, like so many practices can be if we let them, like it's really about coming back to yourself. Um, yeah. And that seems so much more empowering to me than thinking you need to like read another book or take another course, which obviously can have value and insights, um, but not having to kind of place their wisdom above your own, I guess. Totally. Mm. Yeah. Like if we do all those self-help things from a place of like feeling like I need to do this because I'm not enough or I can't do this, you know, like I, I don't have the wisdom, like my wisdom isn't good enough or something, then it's just going to be like, I don't know. It's just not, it's not going to feel right. That's, that's always how it's been for me. Yeah, absolutely. So shifting gears quite a bit. One of the things that when I sent you the questionnaire before this interview that you brought up, um, was this idea of exploring archetypes in your life. And I was really intrigued about talking more about that. And so I'm just curious to start really generally, like how have you been exploring this idea of archetypes in your life? Yeah, I'm super fascinated by archetypes. Um, I got into tarot in the past couple years, and that sort of led me to explore um, archetypes and how I relate to different archetypes in my own life. Um, I find that to be a really helpful way to gain clarity on what's happening and who's who's in control in this moment, um, as a multifaceted mm. personality. Um, I think a lot of creative people would agree with the fact that we, or the, 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 the thought that we all have, we contain multitudes, I guess. Um, and that's okay. I think, you know, an archetype can be dominating our attitude one day and then a totally different one can be in the driver's seat the next. Um, and I think, I think it's okay. I think it's just about knowing that part of you and, and familiarizing yourself with all of the archetypes that you, uh, that you feel, I, that you identify with and that you would say that you know personally in yourself. Um, working with archetypes with the tarot has been helpful for me to, to get to know who's who's in here who's in this yeah mind um yeah so can you tell me more a little bit like a little bit more about what that's looked like in terms of like is it something you do in in correlation with your journaling like how do you explore when you pull a tarot card like what do what do you do after you've pulled that card I guess yeah definitely as a journal prompt for sure for sure like exploring the resistance like why am I sad to see this card why do I feel like oh I wish I didn't pull this like why do I feel like this like why am I responding this way um 
yeah, that's a huge, huge journal prompt for me. There's so much to be explored there. Oh, I love that idea of like, not just looking at like, okay, how, what does this card mean for me right now? But like, what does this, my, what does my reaction to this card mean for me? Yeah, for sure. Like my first intuitive gut reaction, it's like, that's where the magic is, you know? And are there any resources that you've really loved in terms of like learning more about the the background or the, I guess, profile of different archetypes? Yeah, I read um, a book by Carolyn Mace, uh, and the name of it escapes me. Um, but I got into her um, quite a bit, and she talks a lot about archetypes, and and that was sort of like my first foray or like introduction really into exploring archetypes. Um, and then I started reading a little bit of Carl Jung as well. He talks quite a bit about archetypes. I'm reading his um, autobiography right now. And it's like super fascinating to hear what he has to say about archetypes. So those are, those are some sources that, um, I've been pulling from when it comes to archetypes. Yeah. And other tarot readers online to like talk about archetypes. Like I'm a huge fan of Kellyanne Maddox. Um, I know probably a lot of your listeners are too. Um, but she talks quite a bit about young and archetypes and, and I just eat, I eat that content like, like it's like candy, like it's, it's super delicious for me. So that's been, that's been a pretty, a pretty interesting educational source, I suppose as well. Mm, Amazing. And so for you, is it really about identifying the archetypes are they, as they come up or do you do anything to try and like cultivate a different archetype in yourself say? Wow. That's an interesting question. Um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't know if I like, yeah, like I've always been, for example, like super drawn to um, just like the divine feminine, like the empress who like is is like an earth mother and has a sweet garden and is super sensual, but also like wise and connected to the earth and all this all this stuff. I've always really been fascinated with that, but it's something that I really resist. Um, so I think, yeah, there are archetypes that I'm like drawn to and wish that I could embody more characteristics of for sure. Yeah. I love that. And are there any others like that you're really interested in embodying right now? I think bringing a little bit more of the magician archetype into my day-to-day life and not getting so bogged down in reality and just when I'm on the streetcar, just remembering that like there's magic in this moment, there's possibility in this moment, there's creativity around us all the time and there's opportunities all the time. Um, Just looking for little opportunities to make life a little bit more magical can get you not so, you know, apt to get bogged down by things. That's something that I strive for, for sure. And so, I mean, when people get into the tarot, like for some people, buying decks becomes an addiction. Has that become the case for you? Or do you have like a couple of favorite decks that you always work with? Oh, man. Yeah, I wish buying decks could be an addiction for me. I love the idea of having a big collection of decks. I love the idea of having like being a deck collector for sure. Um, But I love my first the te- the first deck that I ever bought was um, the herbal tarot and it has like a healing herb on each card oh, wow. paired with each, with each character yeah so it's it's super cool um, if you're interested in herbs that's something that that might be interesting for you if you also read tarot um, but yeah that that deck I feel 
a pretty close connection to because it was my first one. Um, but I bought this deck in Mexico City that I feel like kind of like still kind of afraid of. So I'm kind of like fascinated with it. It just the imagery on it is like super occult, like it's super, super hardcore and, and just makes me feel a little bit uh, intimidated. So I'm kind of fascinated by that one. But really, um, yeah, and I have a couple of other Oracle decks that I'm really interested in too, but I, I, I wish that I could buy more for sure. They're just, they're pricey. Yeah. They're pricey. And it's like, it's such a wonderful, like people are turning it into such a work of art, um, but they are oh, understandably I- expensive. <laughs> Totally. Like there's some Etsy masterminds out there who just like blow my mind with what they do. But I just, I just follow them on Instagram for the yeah. time being <laughs> yeah. till, I can, till I can support them. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm floored by what people are creating on Etsy, for example, these days, for sure. Yeah. I worry that if I, cause I have, I have four decks and one of them I bought and the other have either that been gifted to me or I, one of them I won. And I worry that if I had more decks than that, that I, like, wouldn't give them enough attention, which is, like, a weird anxiety to have. Um, yeah, that's true. I feel like I would do the same thing. Like, I would just, yeah. I would you, need to, you, need to bond, you need to bond with a deck. Like, you need to feel, you need to feel, like, you need to bond with it a little bit, for sure. Yeah. It's important. And so then when I hear people who are like, I have 500 decks, I'm like, that's amazing. But, like, how do you, like, use them all? So that's always my yeah, curiosity. Yeah, you forget those. Yeah. So are you, are you, or have you recently read anything interesting right now? Hmm. Well, like I said, I'm reading Young's autobiography and that's been really interesting. I'm the slowest reader in the world. So when I'm reading a book, it takes me a really long time to read. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm reading right now, but I do follow a lot of blogs and read a lot of, um, a lot of blog content, um, I do find that I that I read a lot of uh, online as well. Do you have like a top three blogs that you check the most right now? I do. Um, I do the Feedly thing. So I have like, let me just, I'm just pulling up my Feedly so I can have a look and tell you what, what, what I think would be interesting for your, for your listeners. I love Autostraddle right now. They're great. Um, I really also like Joanna DeVoe, the Cake-Ass Witch. She's mm. got great content. And The Hood Witch. Oh, yeah. Deeply fascinated by The Hood Witch. She just nails the aesthetic. I can't Absolutely. stop. I can't stop. So those are those are three good ones that I follow. So there are a couple questions that I love to use to wrap up every interview. And the first is, when it comes to your own personal development, what are you working on learning or implementing right now? Slowing down in general and resisting the creative urge sometimes when I feel like it's more of a compulsion. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like allowing more space, allowing more space, doing less for sure. That's so interesting sure. to think about the creative compulsion, like this idea that we have to be creating all the time. Oh God. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've, I'm trying to, I'm trying to tame that in me and really get to know it. And, and do you think that comes from uh, like the sense that, I mean, I think so many of us can get so wrapped up in like our self-worth comes from our, what we create. And so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But like, 
that's not a helpful thing. No. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And what's been helping you slow down? Is it is it there anything? Talking to people, just like keeping grounded with my friends and remembering that like I'm a human first and foremost, you know, like I'm just I'm a human. I'm not like a creative machine because yeah. I get so much joy from creating, but it's not it's not everything. It's not the point of life. I need to remind myself all the time that like at the end of the day, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be like super happy that I just worked all the time. So, yeah, it's all about just connecting to the people around me and remembering that love is just the point. Yeah. Yeah. And so this could be absolutely anything you want. Um, what's one thing you're obsessed with these days that's making your life better? The Two Dope Queens podcast. Mm -hmm. I love it. <laughs> so good. Making yeah. my commute just a breeze. Like making my commute a breeze. And so for anyone who feels drawn to you, what's the best way for them to check out your work or support the work that you're doing? Yeah, follow me on Twitter. Um, I always post what I write on Twitter. I tweet about it. Um, you can follow me at katefowley.com. Also follow me on Instagram. Get a real kick out of Instagram. I'm always doing stuff on there. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kate. It's been so much fun talking with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. You can find the show notes for this episode at sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 85. And don't forget that if you want to have conversations like the ones that we do in the podcast in a really safe and supportive environment, there's a free private Facebook group called Girl Gang HQ for anyone who listens to the podcast. So just search Girl Gang HQ on Facebook, request to join, and I'll improve you as soon as I see it. I'm sorry if I'm a little bit slower right now while I'm on maternity leave, but I promise I will do it really, really as soon as I can. So our next interview is with Nicola Salmon, a fertility coach, acupuncturist, and naturopath. She was diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome at 16 and told that she would never have children. She made small tweaks to her health while she was training as an acupuncturist and having babies was easy for her. She's half passionate about helping other women get pregnant just as easily. We talk about what acupuncture is and how it works, the power of knowing our cycles, the myths that are perpetuated around fat and fertility, and a whole lot of other goodness. Just a reminder that these episodes have been pre-recorded before my maternity leave and that we're now on a bi-weekly schedule. Until then, grab your girl gang and have a conversation that matters.